When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to the Inside Syracuse Basketball Podcast. I'm Mike Waters. Today on the podcast, I'm joined by Mike Curtis, a former colleague at Syracuse.com who is now the Detroit Pistons beat writer for the Detroit News. I talked with Mike about Syracuse guard Judah Mintz's play at the NBA Combine, Buddy Beheim's year in the Pistons organization, and his lunch with Syracuse and Detroit legend Dave Bing. Well, welcome back to another edition of the Inside Syracuse Basketball Podcast, and today uh, we got a real treat, and I'm looking forward to this because it gives me a chance to catch up with a former colleague, and I was about to say former friend. He's still a friend. Uh, So former colleague and friend, um, former Syracuse.com writer, Mike Curtis. Mike, how are you? Doing well, doing well. I love when like my previous and, and current lives just mesh together. <laughs> <laughs> well, and that that's kind of what our two beats do now. Uh, for those who don't know, you left us at Syracuse.com about a year ago uh, to become the uh, Detroit Pistons beat writer, right, out there in Detroit. Can you... Tell us about your new job, your new gig, your employer there, and, and how that's going for you. Yeah, so I'm coming up on a year. It'll be in July um, of being the Pistons beat writer here at the Detroit News. Um, anybody who knows my story knows I always wanted to cover the NBA. And to do it back close to um, home, where I'm from, Saginaw, Michigan, it's been a dream. It, it's really been a dream. Um, a lot of a lot of growth, growing pains for sure, as any new job. Um, but for the most part, man, it's just been fun, like talking to players, getting to know them on, on a more deeper and personal level, um, as well as the coaches, coaching staff, executives. You know, we got a lot of Syracuse people up here. Um, the first Syracuse person, I'll tell you the story. First Syracuse person um, I met up with, linked up with was Dave Bing. Um, not and- bad. <laughs> not bad at all. Former, former Detroit Piston, former Syracuse. Uh, point guard. He played with Jim Beheim back in the '60s. Correct me if I'm wrong. Um, no, you're and, good. <laughs> and yeah, so met up with him for lunch, and we just exchanged stories about his days at Syracuse, um, what he thinks of the current Pistons and the regime, and where they should go. But he he was he was really a joy to talk to, um, and I always like like soaking up information from veteran players who have played the game long before um but that that was a treat i that absolutely was and uh i've met uh, dave bing on a couple of occasions and talked to him often and he's he's just got such a almost regal regal demeanor about him 
You know, he, he's he's stately. Uh, when you're around him, you know you you're around with somebody with that uh, a little bit of gravitas there with a Dave Bing. Yeah, yeah, and I, I got to I got to see him again when um, Coach Beheim came to visit um, Buddy back in April. I want to say so. It was good to see him too. That's really cool. That's really cool. And uh, so this is kind of the time of the year where your world and my world, uh, the NBA and the, and college basketball kind of start to meet here a little bit. Uh, we have the draft coming up and, yep. you know, the, today more than ever, you have college players entering the draft while retaining their eligibility. They could come back to school. So there really is sort of a Venn diagram going on of uh, guys who are in the pros, guys who are in college, and guys who are in between trying to decide. And and one of those guys this year is Syracuse guard Judah Mintz. And I know you were at the NBA Combine uh, just last week, and so was Judah. I would love to kind of get your thoughts on Judah's week at the Combine. Where do you want to start? Yeah. Um, Let's start with just his measurables. We know he's a 6'3 guard. Um, he has a 6'3 wingspan. One of the things I learned at the Combine this year is how important the wingspan is because I think it, it, it goes to the versatility of a player on offense and defensive end. Um, I heard a lot of scouts just, just pinpoint the wingspan and how it's more important for the wingspan to be taller than the guy is listed in shoes. Yes. Um, and and it's interesting because, like, for, for example, Eastern Michigan for the Monty Bates – um, he's listed as six nine, but his wingspan is much shorter than than his actual height. So the fact that Judas is on par with his actual height, I think that that boded well for him as a guard. Um, so that's the one thing. The second thing I wanted to point out was just what I was able to see, and that was his catch and shoot drill. Um, it, it looked pretty good for the most part, but there were some attempts that were kind of off and we know that wasn't his strongest suit when he was at Syracuse so that that'll be the biggest thing that I guess he hopes to translate to the next level or or at least work on um is that jump shot and then finally uh, what I saw from him in the scrimmages um the first the first one I think I think he played a little bit more consistent in terms of um scoring and getting his teammates involved and I think the second one he didn't have any assists at all but he he scored a little bit more but just his ability to kind of like facilitate and run the offense. He looked like he belonged out there, at least with the participants that were in the combine. Uh, who knows what that'll look like at the next level. But um, I think he had a solid overall performance. Yeah, it's going to be real interesting to see what he ultimately decides. I And we'll get into this a little bit more. But staying uh, right now on the stuff that you saw at the combine, mm-hmm. you mentioned the shooting. In the two scrimmages, in, in one scrimmage, he didn't take any threes. And in the other scrimmage, he took two, missed them both. You know, and, you know, I pointed out on, on after game one that he didn't take any threes. He had a marvelous game. The four game, you mentioned this, you know, his four game that day was seven assists and one or two turnovers. Right. I like the idea that he didn't force threes at the combine as if he was trying to prove something to the scouts on hand, like, look, I can shoot. It was like, yeah. I watched the game myself. He, I didn't, I didn't see him turn down shots. It was nice to see him not force anything. Cause I know sometimes those things can get into a kid's head when he's at the combine. 
yeah, like the NBA combine is the next step to getting drafted. So a lot of for a lot of these guys that aren't guaranteed lottery picks, guaranteed first rounders, this is kind of make or break for them. So you want to go out and prove that you can do everything that they say you can do. Right. Um, but I think sometimes it's best to just stick to your strengths. Um, if you're a facilitator, make sure you get your teammates involved. If you can rebound, make sure you rebound. If you can block shots, play as much defense as you can. But it was good to see Judah not force the issue and kind of shoot shots that he he maybe isn't as comfortable taking, especially at the NBA three, uh, which that's a big difference from college three. Right. And you mentioned the shooting drill, and I saw the the video you took. You tweeted it out of him in that, you know, I call it a five-star uh, because, you know, it's basically five points on the court, if people can imagine it in their heads, uh, both corners, both wings, and then from the top of the key, and the player just kind of goes from one spot to another, hitting all five spots in, in succession. Judah, by my count, watching your video, he went eight of 16. That seems like a good number, but I was wondering, did you watch other guys? And how does eight of 16 compare with other guards? Yeah, so it's it's funny. You, you When you think about it, it's 50%. And you want a guy that can shoot 50% in the league. But, like, these are wide open shots. And a lot of, like, pros, they're knocking down 80%, 70% of those jumpers. So a, a lot of the a lot of participants did that as well. So when you think about how it stacks up and measures against um, other players, it's kind of a little average or below average. But I think it was pretty solid. If you can knock down 50 percent and you're not considered a shooter, I think that's pretty good. Yeah, I get that. I get what you're saying. Absolutely. Um, he certainly would have uh, knocked down the idea that he can't shoot. Absolutely. Right. Yeah. Yeah. He's he's uh, he's at least capable. It's there. I think uh scouts that I've talked to, they were looking just for progress. Uh I talked to a couple scouts prior to the combine and they just kind of wanted to see, you know, okay, what's he been working on since the end of the college season back in mid-March and mid-May. And you know, there's time to hone things and work on stuff. Um what was the general or was there any general buzz up uh, in among folks watching it? I, if you were up there in the stands or wherever, uh, you don't have to mention any names, but if you were sitting near somebody, what were they telling you? Yeah, yeah. So uh, I spoke to a fellow beat writer um, within the league, and she spoke to an executive, a part of a particular organization. Um, and that executive was watching Judah and the, the general sense was they felt that he should have stayed one more year, um, that he would have been best fit to come out next year, um, get a little bit more experience under his belt, um, get just that a little bit more confidence in his shooting and his decision making. Um, because I think sometimes Judah has a tendency to kind of run, go just go zero to 100. Um, and I think we saw that during some late, tough late game situations at Syracuse. So I think that was the general consensus from that executive, at least what was told by me from that beat writer. Um, but that's the only piece of feedback I got on Judah. Yeah, in my talks with folks, it's been kind of split. They're intrigued by him very much. Um, and if he comes out, it sounds like he's probably a mid to late second round pick. Yeah. You know, but uh, they also, you know, NBA people love the idea of kids going back to school too. That, that, 
that runs contrary to what I think a lot of folks think. Like, you know, a lot of folks out there, fans, they think the NBA wants to scoop all these guys up. Yeah. But in reality, the NBA would would love a lot of these kids to stay an extra year. So they don't have to pay them. They don't have to worry about them. And they get to watch them one more year. And the yeah. more you get to see a kid, the better idea you get. You know, it's why you don't have like, you know, for a while, I think the NBA got rid of the guys coming straight out of high school into the draft. Yeah, they were, they were blowing draft picks because it was hard to 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 really judge a kid based on a senior year in high school. Uh, they wanted to see exactly. him at the college game. Right. Yeah. And that, now you have to have that one year of just out of college, out of high school experience, whether you go to college, whether you go to the G League, whether you go to overtime elite or whether you go overseas. Overseas used to be the only option. Now you, you got a plethora of options to choose from. So, um, I, yeah, I, I think they're trying to make sure guys are prepared as well once they enter the league. Um, they don't want someone who's just raw at their, I guess, skill set. They want they want guys who have kind of been through fire a little bit. I think also they want guys that they've got a lot more um, data on. Uh, yeah. Whether it's like just watching more, ad- adding up more numbers, or just seeing development too. Yeah. Um, was was were players available really at the combine to you? And and did Judah speak to the media? Yeah. So um, Judah was speaking right next to Monty Bates um, during his media session, and I, I had know to, you had to talk to. <laughs> I had to fulfill my workly obligations and talk to Monty, but. Um, I think there was one national reporter that spoke to him. I think yeah. it was Yahoo Sports. Um, but I wish I would have gotten a chance to talk to him. I did get a chance to see him actually in the hotel lobby. Um, I don't know if you've been to the combine. I think you have. But Donna, my, my co- our, your, your friend and our colleague, Donna DeTota, has done the combine. Yeah, so they, they have it, or at least this year, they had it at um, Wintrust Arena, mm-hmm. which was connected to like a huge Marriott. And the Marriott was like a melting pot of executives, agents, players were staying there. So at any given chance, you could walk by whoever you thought of in the league. Um, I remember um, I got there one night for, I guess, I think I was going to see, watch one of the scrimmages and Rich Paul was there talking to one of his clients. And it was like, oh, wow, Rich Paul. I only see him on TV. (laughs) But um, not now. I forget I'm part of this world now where that's kind of like normal. But yeah, I, I saw Judah in the lobby um, one of those days. And I just introduced myself, told him I used to cover Syracuse and that um, I just told him good luck. It, it was very brief, but it was kind of cool to just to see players walking around. Yeah, because you you left uh, Syracuse, like we said earlier, about a year ago. So Judah is not a player you covered here at all. You you never you never really had a chance to hear to talk to him or anything. So, um, yeah. I can tell you he's a real engaging kid, uh, mm-hmm. very bright both on and off the court. I hate it when people use basketball IQ uh, mm-hmm. as if somebody's not smart off the court too. Um, a real a genuine kid, um, you know, I, works hard. You know, we've mm-hmm. seen the workouts here. Um, it'll be real interesting. He's got, as we record now, a week. I don't know exactly when we're going to get this podcast up, but the deadline for him to decide whether to stay in the draft or withdraw is coming up on May 31st. Um, what's your, what's your, what's your gut feeling? 
what's your what's my gut feeling i really yeah. don't know um <laughs> judah and his folks mom and dad have kept things so close to the vest there's been almost no communication um I really, really, really don't know because to know what he's going to do is you need to know what his thought process is. Right. Like, was his goal to be a first rounder? Well, if that's the case, he's probably coming back. Was his goal to be drafted, period? First or second round didn't matter. I want to get in the league. I want to get started on my pro career. Well, he's probably staying in. Yeah. Uh, but I don't know what... I don't know what his uh, approach to the draft has been. And I also, we we don't know what teams are telling him. We, we can right. look at mock drafts all day long. Yeah. But especially when it gets to the second round of a mock draft, things can get a little squirrely, right? Yeah. And then if he does return, it's a, it's a pretty crowded backcourt now, right? It would be very interesting. Um, <laughs> I think it would lend itself to running more playing more guys. You're going to play man to man. It's okay. If someone gets into foul trouble, it's okay. If someone gets winded, uh, we're going to take them out. I mean, if you think about a backcourt, that's got a Judah Mintz in it, a JJ Starling, who, you know, well, uh, chance Westry, a transfer from Auburn, you know, Kyle cuff jr is coming from Kansas. And that's in addition to some of their more versatile wings like Justin Taylor uh, Quadier Copeland, who could also both play backcourt spots. It'd be amazing. I tell you what, practices <laughs> would be fun as hell. <laughs> yeah. From what I've heard um, around the league, too much talent is a good problem to have. Yes, absolutely. Um, and they need it. And it, it would be an incredible injection. Um, I think uh, getting Judah back would make Syracuse a factor next year. And I know you probably haven't paid attention to the whole roster. So, uh, but yeah, it would make them a real, real factor. So we'll have to see. We got a little bit less than a week uh, uh, to find out. Let's talk about a few other uh, stuff going on on your beat that relates to Syracuse. Buddy Beheim yeah. this past season was on a two-way deal with the Pistons. Um, played about 18 games for the G League franchise there, the affiliate, in uh, the Motor City Crews. Yep. Played in 10 games with the with the NBA club, the Pistons. Nine of them were late in the year. What's the thought on on Buddy there in in Detroit? And do you think the club's gonna want him back? Yeah, that's a good question. So everyone knows I had me and Buddy actually came to Detroit at the same time. He got the he was signed by the by the team on draft night um, to a two way, and I got the job in July. So we both got here at the same time. It was actually funny the first time. <laughs> Um, we saw each other at training camp. We were like, <laughs> he came up to me, congratulated me. I congratulated him as well. Um, I actually did a story on him before the season ran just about how he's trying to kind of transition into this new um, this new lifestyle, his pro career. Um, he told me he was trying to kind of get under the, the, the shadow of his dad's last name um, back in Syracuse and kind of become his own person. Uh, so that was pretty cool, uh, but uh, from what I've from what I've heard, Buddy Buddy worked hard this year. Uh, we all know he's a shooter, and even when his shot wasn't falling, he that's one thing he was still gonna do. He was he was he wasn't gonna get deterred. Um, he averaged about I think ten points, three rebounds in the G League, and 
Um, didn't get to play much with the regular team, but with, with the Pistons actually. But once they were, um, I guess, positioning themselves for the NBA draft lottery, <laughs> um, <laughs> he got he 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 got a lot of uh, run, especially there in the end with their other two way player, Jared Rohde. Um, but his main goal or his main job was to come in there and shoot. Um, which is exactly what NBA teams want nowadays. They want somebody that can spread the floor, um, that can create kind of spacing problems for the opposition. So um, he didn't particularly shoot well, but he I think he played as best as he could this season. Um, in terms of wanting to back, that'll really depend on the offseason and what they do in um, free agency. I know they want to sign um, some veteran players that'll help them kind of make the leap. They want to make the leap next year to possibly get into the play-in round. I'm not sure how that'll look going from the league's worst 17 wins to what's that, maybe a 30, 35-game um, win. So that's maybe a 20-game turnaround, 15-game turnaround. So yeah. I don't know. I don't know what the, what they're going to be thinking, but um, hopefully we get to see Buddy again. It, it'll be It'll be a cool story. Yeah, he, you know, he did shoot about 37% on threes in the G League. Yeah. You know, listen to him. People, I don't think people realize how thin the margin is. Yeah. Between being on an NBA roster, maybe you're the 10th, 12th, 13th, you know, whatever guy, and being in the G League. It is a yeah. razor thin margin. And you look at some of the guys playing in the playoffs. <laughs> You know, there's there's guys there, undrafted free agents, guys who are on two-way deals have been in the G League and and they're they're still playing right now, you know, on ESPN or TNT in the in the playoffs. So Yeah, I was just thinking of Miami's um Caleb Martin, who who went undrafted. Um the story around is how J. Cole got him a, a scrimmage with the Heat and um the rapper J. Cole, he's actually right there. <laughs> Um, so it, it's, it's so he was explaining so, that for me, everybody. I'm sure all the viewers and listeners knew <laughs> <laughs> just in case, just in case you never know who you're speaking to, That's um, true. <laughs> but the, the bobblehead um, yeah. is Jim Palmer, the Jim Palmer bobblehead. You know, that's see, I, I, I wouldn't have known that if you hadn't explained it to me. Oh man, but yeah, it two lead contracts. You never know where they can lead you. Um, I think as long as Buddy kind of continues to do the work and even like shows more emphasis on the defensive end, we know that wasn't his strong suit uh, when he was at Syracuse, or at least uh, when he tr made the transition to the league. I think if he kind of emphasizes that a little bit more and just shows a little bit more versatility, then he'll be able to kind of create his own lane. Couple quick general questions. You can be quick on them if you want. What was the general reaction in Detroit, maybe within the organization, and then also among the fans when the Pistons, who had they tied for the best odds of getting the number one pick, uh, fell to number five? Um. So I was in the room, not in the actual lottery room, but in the room where they did the show. Um. And everything was going according to plan, 14 through six. It was just as it was predicted. Once it got to number five and Mark Tatum, deputy commissioner, showed the Pistons, there was a gasp in the room like no other. Really? Um, media, um, players in attendance, coaches, executives. It's like everyone was shocked that Detroit 
who was projected to be number one fell so far to number five. Yeah. And that was the largest jump in franchise history. Their previous jump was like two. Last year, they were projected at three and they slipped to five. But this year, they were projected at one and slipped to five. So it was kind of a gut punch uh, for the organization and for the fans. Um, a lot of fans thought the lottery was rigged, which that's not the case. <laughs> they have media in the lottery room just for that reason. Um, so, yeah, it, it, it was a gut punch for this team who, who desperately wanted Victor Wembanyama. So now Detroit Pistons general manager, former Syracuse assistant Troy Weaver, has to make lemons out of lemonade here with the number five pick. And we know a year ago they slipped a couple and they pulled Jaden Ivey out of Purdue, with a, who I love. I thought that was a great pick. So where's Troy go with this year's pick at number five? It won't yes. be Victor. It won't be Victor. Um, but they're pretty, they're pretty, I, I will say, satisfied with their options at number five. Um, it's funny, you mentioned Troy has to make lemons out of lemonade. His end of the season presser, um, he was asked about just making plans centered around the lottery and what would happen if they didn't get Victor. Um, but he said, I was taught to make a dollar out of 15 cents. So it kind of goes along along with your making lemons out of lemonade analogy. Um, but they're going to be looking for a forward. They got a boatload of guards, Kay Cunningham, Jay Nivey, Killian Hayes. They got a lot of the centers, Jalen Duran, James Wiseman, Isaiah Stewart, Rochester native, yep. um, and Marvin Bagley. Um, so they're going to be looking for a forward forward to kind of compliment Boyan Bogdanovich, who played impressively well this year um, while Kay Cunningham was hurt. Um, so they're going to be looking for a forward. They want a defensive forward who can also shoot. So when you look at where they're going to be picking at number five, you can look at Villanova forward Cam Whitmore, Houston forward Jairus Walker. Um, you can look at the overtime elite Thompson twins, Amin and Asar Thompson. Sure. Um, so, yeah, you pointed at me when I said Jairus. What are you thinking? I don't know. I like him. And he seems like a Troy Weaver pick, mm. you know, type of player. And uh, played really well as a freshman at Houston. Yeah. Got yeah. Good, good size, plays hard, physical. We'll see, right? We'll see. Yeah, I agree. They, they, they want someone, especially with their coaching, um, search they want someone to emphasize defensive end and I think Jairus Walker would fit that it's like really well um, he's defensive minded he can play both the four and the five um, he can switch he can rotate which is really important into in today's NBA game so yep. um, it'll be interesting to see where they go I know a fan favorite right now is Cam Whitmore just because of his explosiveness um, if you watch his highlights from Villanova um, shout out to the Big East um, <laughs> Just, just the fact that he's able to kind of just sky above the rim, they they, they love that, um, and I think they want want a player like that um, here in Detroit. So, and if they emphasize we'll defense, yeah, a point guard who led the ACC in steals last year could be available in the second round. There you go, there you go. They also got the number thirty one pick, so we'll see if they go with the guard. We'll see if they go with the forward, but. Like you said, that, that point guard will be available. <laughs> well, uh, listen, Mike, it's been really good just kind of chatting, talking basketball with you, you know, draft and combine. I appreciate your your insight into like, you know, Judah Mintz's upcoming decision. That'll be really interesting. Um, and I tell you what, 
if when the draft rolls around and, and Detroit does draft Judah, if Judah is still in the draft, you'll be getting a phone call from me. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be looking forward to it. And if I get any insight, I'll be sure to give you a heads up. <laughs> That'd be great. Hey, listen, uh, really good to see you. Talk to you again. Do not be a stranger. Come back and visit us here in Syracuse. I plan to. I, I want to this summer, but we'll have to see how um, things shake out. But I definitely want to come back. I appreciate um, everything you ever did for me, Mike. I, I, like, this is kind of a full circle moment, just being on the podcast. So <laughs> I enjoyed it. Have had a lot of fun. Um, tell everybody I said hey. You got it. I'll tell everybody. Thanks, Mike. Thanks, Mike. See you. I want to thank Mike for joining me on the podcast today. And thanks to you out there as well for listening in. Please subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcast and follow all of our complete coverage of Syracuse basketball on Syracuse.com. Until next time on the Inside Syracuse Basketball Podcast, I'm Mike Waters.